Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Yes, <laughs> we get to do it. This is episode 69. Yeah. What do you think of that, Peter? It's pretty awesome, man. <laughs> I know, it is. It? We've been doing this for like two years, right? We have been doing this for a couple years now, so we're pretty stoked for sure. Yeah. And uh, for those that are new, this podcast, we deal with the Bible, we deal with sex issues and topics, and sometimes we'll take current events and talk about those things, and sometimes we'll take the Bible, like we're going to do today, and talk about stuff, I thought. Um, and it's been great. We had a, a good interview with a guy named Joseph last time, and that was pretty cool. Mm. This time, we kind of want to talk a little bit about recovery issues when it comes to um dealing with sexual things um, in your life. It could be that, you know, you do just watch porn and that's kind of the issue. And I ha- I hate to say it, but you do just kind of, you know, like it, the simple thing of watching porn. Um, like that's a simple thing, but you, you know what I mean? In comparison, like there's other people that, you know, maybe have committed adultery. There's other people that go to uh, massage parlors, um, strip clubs, um, blow all their money, um, but n- I hope this uh, this session, if you will, of the podcast will help them to kind of go, oh, okay, maybe this is what we can do um, to kind of work on some stuff. Yeah. So this is kind of uh, a part of dealing with life that you can, um, you know, use in every aspect. It doesn't just have to be in sexual issues. And, and that's true almost about all of our podcasts, huh? Yeah. Um, and this one has to do more with a passage from the book of James that says, faith without works is dead. Mm. And I like that passage. It's a famous passage. And a lot of times when we equate Christian work or labor, a lot of times we think of, kind of the simple things like prayer or reading your Bible, um, things of that nature, I think, and kind of the, the Christian religious things. Yeah. Um, yet, a lot of times we don't even really evaluate our prayer life too well. Like we just go, oh yeah, I prayed, you know, or yeah, I do pray. But we don't really think about like what we pray about or what is kind of the motivation of our heart in prayer. Um, and that's, that's I think, what I want to get at with this podcast in James with the idea of faith without works is dead. Like, when you're working with guys, Peter, and you work with a lot of men, um, I mean, do you do you see them kind of going, hey, man, I'm going to really hit this thing pretty hard? Or what do you normally see? Um, the vast majority of people that I see or counsel, um, they're people who recognize the problem enough to want to do something about it but they don't recognize the problem enough to do what they need to do about it hmm. you know so it means either they were they were caught or maybe it's just kind of taking stuff from their life and they're like man i need to deal with this but they're not ready to actually do what needs to be done hmm. yeah and to do what needs to be done, man, it can be quite radical. You know, you think of like Romans chapter 8 where it says, you know, mortify your flesh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. You know, um, or is it 7 that says that? Might be, might be chapter 7 that actually says that. But one of the chapters there in Romans talks about, you know, m- kind of mortifying yourself. 
um, you know, Jesus makes these claims of uh, these statements of, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, do something. Yeah. Um, so there are radical things that we we need to do. And sometimes we don't know exactly what that is, mm. you know. And, you know, when you're doing something, any behavior that you want to stop doing, at some point you have to ask the question, you know, why do I want to stop doing it? Mm. And why do I do it? Um, those are two big uh, important things to us. The first one, why do I want to stop doing it? We would recommend that the biblical uh, motivation for wanting to stop a behavior would be the glory of God. Mm. That would be the best. and Because you're working with God at that point. But the second question is, why do I do it? Sometimes people will just say, oh, well, because I'm a sinner. But what's the problem with that? If you just kind of say, oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. <laughs> well, there's no, there's nothing practical there. There's nothing practical to latch on to or do anything about. That's like, um, I mean, if you're going to say, like, I'm a sinner in the sense that we're all born in sin and iniquity, essentially what you're doing is you're throwing up your hands and just saying, well, that's the way I am. You know, and if, if what you say is that's the way I am, then that's the way you're always going to be. Right. Because you could say that about anything. <coughs> yeah. Right? Oh, I'm a sinner. Yeah, it's totally Ecclesiastes. A crooked path can't be made straight, nor a straight path made crooked. So Ecclesiastes is basically Solomon saying, like, dude, you are the way you are. And Deal with it. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you're like a rubber band, man. You could stretch for a little bit, but you're always going to return back to the way that you really are. Yeah. And that, and, you know, where does it say, um, you know, how can a leper change its spots? You know, and the answer is you can't. Right. right. It's like something needs to happen. Something radical. The neat thing about uh, behavior patterns is there are things we could start looking at differently about why we do it um, that could help us to change some of our behaviors. Yeah. So I look at a passage in the book of James and I'll read it to you. It's in chapter three and it's in verse 13. But it says, Who is the wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom, or it could say the humility of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where evil, evil and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. I kind of want to just stick on that verse 16 part where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion, and every evil thing are there. Mm. Pretty radical because envy and self-seeking aren't really things that are so much seen by someone. You don't really look at someone and go, man, that guy's self-seeking <laughs> or that guy is envious unless it becomes really apparent um, you know, through a conversation, a repetitive conversation with them or hanging out with them, you might get those ideas. But the character quality, you know, uh, of envy and self-seeking are things that really are pretty inside people. You know, they become envious of people. They become self-seeking, you know. And so James is instructing us that there's a place we need to go to figure out the why do I do what I do? Mm. And he's saying, you know, you have to look at, you know, what is the motivation of your heart? What are the things that are going on that are making you move 
that are kind of ticking, mm. you know. And, you know, you might be thinking, hey, Bo, you know, I, I kind of see where you're going with this, but I don't know, I is this really a biblical thing to be kind of looking within? Shouldn't we be looking at Jesus? And I would say, sure, yeah, but we look at, when we're looking at Jesus, we also want to do, uh, part of looking at Jesus is also looking at an honest assessment of where we're at. And I kind of look at Psalm 139, mm. where at the end of that psalm it says, search me, O Lord. Mm. Um, so King David wants to know, hey, what is the wicked way in me? Mm. Um, so he wants to do this self-assessment of kind of going, where am I at? Mm you know, in life, and what's really the motivator of my soul, mm -hmm. and he asked God to do that searching. Most of us in prayer, right, don't spend that much time doing yeah. that. No, no, and we should. Um, you know, I, I love the book of James, much like you do, Bo, mm -hmm. uh, because the book of James in the New Testament is um, the one book in the New Testament that most deals with what we call wisdom. That's why a lot of people refer to the book of James as the practical book of the Bible, the New Testament. And uh, if there's one thing that I believe that I need more than anything, and there's one thing that the Bible would say that the world needs more than anything, is wisdom. You know, Solomon, uh, out of all the things he could have prayed for to God, he prays for wisdom, and God says, right on. That's the exact thing you need to pray for. Uh, throughout the book of Proverbs, he says, there's nothing greater in all the world. It's better than treasure. It's better than gold. It's better than anything is wisdom. And uh, unfortunately, we live in a culture that values knowledge and not wisdom. And there's a difference. Um, knowledge is simply knowing something intellectually. Wisdom is knowing how to use that knowledge. So the difference that I uh, usually use as an example to people is it's like if I were to go into my vehicle and read the owner's manual, I know, technically, I know how to take care of my car. But until I pop the hood and start touching things in the engine and start moving things around, really, I don't know anything about it. And the same thing is true in our Christian lives. Let me give you one verse from the Bible that a lot of people quote and know, but you can see how it's not really helpful. Be angry and don't sin, right? That's a pretty simple statement, right? So I'm going up to somebody and they're getting angry and I'm like, hey, brother, be angry and don't sin. Is that true? It's true, but it's not helpful. It would be the equivalent of you looking at your car like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, oh, change the alternator. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. But if you don't know how to do that practically, I haven't done anything for you. And that's what James is trying to get to. He's like, look, knowing is not enough for you. Having simple faith, just saying like, oh, I believe in God, or I believe in what the scripture says, is really not going to help you at all. It's reading the scripture, knowing what it says, believing what it says, and then applying it. Mm. That's what's going to change you. And so with what you're talking about, Bo, about really thinking through things and praying through things, the reason why the Bible wants you to do that is because that's the only way to get wisdom. Um, and everybody knows this. If you've been through school, you know this, where if you cram for a test, you got a big test coming up and you cram for a test and you just read all the answers. You can memorize all the answers and you might even pass a test, but I guarantee you, you're not going to hold on to that knowledge. You'll forget it next month, maybe even the next day, depending on what kind of person you are. But if you seek wisdom in something, you'll remember that forever. Let me give you something that everyone does. Riding a bike. We always say that, right? It's like riding a bike. Why do you remember how to ride a bike? Is it because someone sat down with you on a, on a chair and said, Bo, this is how you ride a bike. You know, you pedal. And then you move, you know, and you just don't fall over, right? No, it's because someone sat you on a bike 
and you started pedaling the bike and you learned how to do it. And so your body remembers. We call that kinetic memory in, uh, in, in uh, academic circles, I guess. But the point is, is that like, if I don't really understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I just read a Bible passage, like, uh, again, using the example of be angry and don't sin. So I get, let's say I'm a very angry, impulsive man. And I get angry all the time at the drop of a hat. Everything my wife does just makes me angry, makes me angry. And I'm reading that passage. And I'm like, oh, be angry, don't sin. And so I go home and I say, God, help me to stop being angry. Amen. Right, which is what a lot of us do. God, help me to stop being angry. Amen. And I never think through the roots or the causes of my anger. I'm never sitting down and thinking like, maybe I'm angry because I'm upset with my wife. And I have this bitterness towards her that's just growing. And it's, it's growing. It's festering in my life. And so it's not really I'm upset with what she's doing right now. It's I'm upset at her. And I have so much unforgiveness towards her that I can't help but express it in anger. Or maybe I have super amounts of anxiety over my work. And so I'm like stressed out about work and I come home and my wife is trying to help me out. And I'm, I'm just angry because I'm frustrated or stressed out about work. And I'm taking that out on her. If I never think through those things, it's like, how is God actually going to practically help you? Right? Mm. I mean, he could just like, I guess, enter into your heart and change you and turn you into a robot that just doesn't get angry anymore. But if you never, if you never get to the place where you're like, oh, like, this is the issues that God needs to deal with. God help me to forgive my wife or God help me to deal with stress in a better way. I get stressed out about work. God help me to trust that you're my provider. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And the acid test is always under certain conditions. Can I stay abstinent from my destructive behavior? Mm. Right. That's kind of the test <laughs> is 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 in those tough situations when you're home alone, you know, when your wife's going to bed and you're up all night, you know, are you able to act in a way that would honor God? Yeah. And, and, you know, those are, those are kind of tests for us. Um, and so we have to find out what is moving us, you know, inside, mm. you know, so, you know, you know, when you look at like your, your, your thing of anger, you know, someone who's angry all the time and you, you did a good job of saying, Hey, what's going on inside of them, right? Something's happening. They're stressful. They're resentful. They have this anger, you know, if they don't recognize if they don't get to the place where they recognize the resentment and why they have the resentment that they have then they can they can they're never just going to get to the air to the issue they're never going to find the peace mm. of god yeah. in that they're never going to be walking in truth they're always going to be walking in a distortion right and in a lie and how many of us walk in ways where you know, and how many in this world are frustrated constantly and mm. constantly irritated and constantly discontented mm. and, and, you know, they're, you know, because they 
don't do the work of going, why do I feel the way I feel? Mm. You know? And so I think James gives us a hint saying that God's wisdom, God has a wisdom and the world has a wisdom. Mm. And God has a wisdom, but it's a, it's a humility. He says that in the meekness of wisdom, in the humility of mis- wisdom. So there's a humility with God's wisdom. And and humility is the idea of understanding your place, you know, in the cosmos, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that you are just, uh, you know, a person and you are not God. Mm. And so you are in need of God. Uh, so you walk humbly with God because you are the one who's in need of him. Right. And... And so, you know, uh, the humility of wisdom is something that's important for me to think of, too, because I find that a lot of my problems come from a lack of humility. Mm. And a lot of the anxieties or the things that are going on in me uh, are kind of showing themselves on the outward, though, the stresses, the um, a lot of it comes from a lack of humility on my part. You know, I might be driving or thinking everybody's a jerk or everybody's stupid or I might judge people on TV all the time and I might become extra critical of people. Um, You know, and when I look in my heart of why I do that, Mm. it always gets back to, you know, that there is a lack of humility there. Right. You know, I'm not really looking at my own issues with God and how much I need the Lord and how much I'm so different from Jesus and how much I want to be like him, but man, I'm totally not there. Instead, I I find myself as the judge, Mm. you know, and James says that, you know, to these people in this book, he says, you know, you guys think you're like the judge of everybody. Mm. You know, you guys think you guys are kind of the people who know what's going on. You don't know nothing, Yeah. you know, and he has to kind of bring them up and rebuke them. And, uh, you know, what you're mentioning, Bo, is another key piece of, of, uh, of wisdom. You know, the, Solomon calls it insight in the Bible. It's translated insight in most translations. And insight means being in touch with reality, being in touch with the way that things really are. If you're not in touch with reality, you can't do anything properly. So, for instance, using the car as an example, if I believe, if my reality is that my vehicle is a Ford Taurus and the reality is that I'm actually driving a Datsun pickup. <laughs> you know, I'm the way that I handle my vehicle is going to be off because my I'm not connected with reality. And in the same way, if I, you know, using your example bow of, you know, being frustrated with everybody out all the time and stuff like that, well I, I need to think of like what part of reality am I not being in touch with? Well I might not be in touch with the fact that I need grace too that I'm just as fallen as everybody around me. I might be in touch with, and this is an important, really important one, maybe the world doesn't revolve around me, right? Because I'm getting frustrated with everybody around me because I'm thinking they're in my way. And you're not thinking, maybe you're in their way. You know, maybe, maybe you, your importance, your self-importance and thinking that everything needs to work the way you want it to work is not reality. Because God would say, no, I have a way that I want the world to work. And it may not always line up with the way that you want the world to work. Uh, as you said, the humility, right? Being in touch with the reality that God is God and you aren't, right? Reality is about him. It's not about you, 
right? And when you accept that, when you start becoming more in line with that reality, it starts taking care of your bitterness, right? Or even if you're getting frustrated at somebody, to remember when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, right? What is finished? The wrath of God towards sin. And so the more I become in touch with that reality of like God is the judge, he is going to take care of this person. He is going to ultimately judge everybody. I need to trust him. The more I become in line with that, the more peace I'm going to achieve in my soul. Right? But once again, God can't just do that in somebody. Um, we have this idea in Christianity that it's like, oh, I, I read it, so I know it. So I'm gonna, it, this is the way my life's going to be right now. Right? The, yeah. the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Therefore, I'm going to just try harder and be patient and kind. Right. right. And that's the only thought you put through it. And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, there's got to be that search me, O Lord. Right. And so, so you know, when James gets to the idea that, you know, envy and self-seeking where this stuff exists, confusion and every e evil thing are there, you have to ask, is there confusion in my life? Mm. You know, do I find myself just continuing to be frustrated, continuing to... Um, am I going back to the same things? You know, am I doing the same things over and over? Um, you know, am, are, is, but are you lying to your boss? Mm. Are you lying to your spouse? Are you lying to your church? You know, um, those things are going to eat you up. Mm. And what happens is when those things eat me up, I go back to porn. Right. Or I go back to whatever I'm doing. Um, that's, that's the nature, the condition that we're in, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, is we'll go back to those things. So I have to go, okay, you know, what is the real thing? See, many guys and many girls probably go, I don't know why I keep doing what I do, but I'm doing it. I'm doing what I do. I think I got to get a new book. Mm. I know a new book on sexual purity came out. Yeah. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read and it. I'll be cured. <laughs> That's why the books I write aren't about that. <laughs> it's funny. I don't write the book about how to get be pure. Um, those aren't my books, yeah. you know. Um, you know, y there's plenty of them out there. Yeah. And people just bounce from book to book to book to book thinking that some at some point they're going to something's going to click. Yeah. You know, they're going to read something and it's going to be like, bing, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the, the pattern for purity. Right. You know, and, and many people become so frustrated with that, mm. right? Where they've gone to so many things and done so many things where it, it, it's just totally frustrated them. And they were like, man, I went to that <laughs> conference. I went to that, you know, every man's battle thing. I went to... You know, I read every man's battle. I read every person's battle. <laughs> I read, you know, and I, I just can't seem to figure this out. You know, um, I keep, you know, going back. And, you know, without ever getting to the place where they're going, what, you know, why do I do what I do? Mm. Like, have I been honest? And honesty is a part of humility. Yeah. As you say, it's seeing things clearly. Yeah. So honesty is a part of humility. Yeah. So if you say if you, if you're not going to walk in humility, um, then you're not going to walk in honesty either. Right. You know. So because where the Pharisee gets to the the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, 
Mm-hmm. One of them's humble and one of them's not. One of them's honest and one of them's not. Right. You know, so we have to understand that honesty goes kind of e- goes with humility. Right. So, you know, we ask those questions. Hey, um, you know, is something eating you up? Or are you just not being honest with with someone? Yeah. And, you know, you know it's really interesting. Um, I have I've just two things to mention about that. Number one is... If you think that that's not the way that the Lord works in people, I would encourage you to read the Gospels again. Anyone. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And see how Jesus answers people's questions. He will never, I guarantee you, there's not a single story in the Bible I'm aware of where Jesus directly answers somebody. Right? Like, let's take Matthew 19, the famous marriage passage. They ask, is it okay to divorce someone for just any reason? Now, once you go through Jesus' reasoning, you see that his answer is no. And he could have just said that, right? It would have been the end of the conversation. Nope. But instead he's like, have you not read? And when he says, have you not read, what's he trying to get him to do? He's trying to get him to think, to remember what they've read in the past and to think through the implications for themselves. Why? Because as they do that self-inventory and they come to the conclusion for themselves, then they've gained practical wisdom as opposed to Jesus just being like, no. They don't know why he said no. They don't know where the, bound, the, where the foundation for that is. They don't know how to apply that in their life. They just know that, oh, Jesus said no. The end. Right? That's, that's not what Jesus wanted. He wanted people to think. He wanted people to think through what they were going to do. The second passage that I have uh, to really understand this is uh, Ephesians 5, verse 18, which is a very famous passage about drinking that most people are aware of. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul is directly making a direct connection or contradiction between what alcohol does and what the Holy Spirit does. And listen to what he's saying. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, which is another word in the Greek for excess or for vapor, right? When something dissipates, it evaporates. It goes away. It goes into nothingness. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, when you get drunk with wine, what are you doing? You're, you're going to wine because you have, as you said, Bo, you have an issue. You have a problem. And Paul says, does wine fix the problem? No, you're going to wine to avoid the problem. He says, but instead go to the Holy Spirit, insinuating that when you go to the Holy Spirit, you're not avoiding the problem, you're confronting the problem with the power of God. Freud, I don't like a lot of what Freud said, but this thing is absolutely true. He says, we lie to ourselves because we do not have the strength to handle the truth. But Jesus said the truth will set us free. So when I look at my life, if I'm, if I'm lying to myself, if I'm like, oh, I don't have a problem. You know, I don't have an issue. You know, I just, every now and then I just cheat on my wife. But it's not, it's not a symptom of a dip, deeper issue. You know, I just, I was just upset that day and I, I cheated on her. And there's no, there's no reason to look into that. It's like what, what the Bible would say to you is there is a deeper reason why you did that. And you're avoiding the problem through lying to yourself you're deceiving yourself you think that you don't have a problem because you don't want there to be a problem but maybe there is one in Obadiah which is a book written to Edom very proud people God is trying to wake them up and the book actually begins by God saying your pride has deceived you I mean your self-seeking your your selfishness your arrogance has tricked you into thinking that there's not a problem but there really is yeah 
You know, and you can extend mercy to people when you walk humbly with God because you're able to go, man, God saves me. God loves me. God's merciful to me. And then that, of course, makes you look at other people and go, hey, why do I want to judge them harsh, man? God's been merciful to me. So humility works practically in that area where you're able to see things right with God and then you're able to see things right with your fellow mankind. Mm. Um, if... If you have the self-seeking and the envy, and and we would ask that you do more of a, a larger inventory, and I really kind of go through a few different items. I go through fear, mm. discontentment, resentment, anger. That's kind of a list that I, I, I'll, I'll just say right there, that's four. Mm. And just say, you write those things out. And you write out what you're fearful about. You write write out what you're discontented about in your life. Mm. You write out what you're angry about, what you're resentful about. And you're, and you're going to get down to some really serious reasons of what's happening in your heart. Mm. Because those things move you. Yeah. When you are discontented in your life, when you are not content in your heart, It'll move you. It'll move you in ways you never thought it would move you. Mm. Or it'll make you say things. It'll have you say things that you never wanted to say. Mm. You know, fear is one of the strongest mo motivations of uh, any animal, mm. and let alone human being. Mm. And when you look at what you're fearful about, you will find there's that is what's moving you in your life. Mm. You know, if if you feel discontented about your life or you feel fearful about how people are looking at you or what your wife thinks about you, or are you really going to be okay, you know, when it comes to sexual issues? Or are you going to be able to satisfy her? Um, you're afraid that, you know, of any honesty. Then what happens is in a marriage everything can't get honest you can't get honest about anything mm. you can't talk about anything really mm. because you're never able to address the inner issues mm. and so really what happens in a marriage is that marriage just becomes functional mm. it just becomes religious function mm. and it never really becomes real like because the spirit is a spirit of truth mm. And if we're not willing to walk in truth with one another and with God, then really it's just a kind of a sham. Yeah. You know, where we're just, we're putting on that front, you know. And the reason we are is because we have that fear and resentments or whatever. Those things are making us not want to show, yeah. you know, not want to have those conversations. Yeah. You know, that we should have because when what you do with these, when you when when you really go, God, search me, oh, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. And God goes, yeah, there is. <laughs> and like, you know, it's moving you to do what you do and to treat your wife the way you do, to treat your husband the way you do is you're fearing or you're resentful or you're bitter or you're you're envious and you're self-seeking. Um, and you that hits you like, wow, that is so true. Then 
you know, you go to God and you say, God, I give these things to you. I need to lay these things down. I need your help to lay these things down. I need your help to not react out of these things. Mm. Um, I need to be able to settle, um, to leave my past behind. I need to be able to settle with it. And that's what this inventory does. You'll never be able to settle with things mm. in the past if you can't get down to these things. Right. You're never going to be able to just leave it. Right. It's always going to be there. Right. You know, um, and you could see how now we're getting into some deep stuff, but you can see how it really, really now becomes um, a real serious issue. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And just to read the section of James that we're, uh, we've been discussing, we've been touching around it, but I'm just going to read it yeah. for you guys. Um, James 2 verse 18 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. This is a really important passage, especially to what Bo's been talking about on uh, this last uh, segment. Where, let's just take the truth, that, that uh, the reason of why so many of us bury our past. Uh, so the reason why most of us bury our past is either, is I'll give you the uh, some of the most common reasons. Number one, we don't want to admit how much our past impacts us. So if I was a child that was abused or I had a bad breakup when I was a teenager or my wife did something that upset me or something like that, I don't want to admit that that's bothering me as much as it's bothering me. So I just tell myself, it's not bothering me, right? Christians don't get angry. Christians don't get upset, right? It's not bothering me and I ignore it. But ignoring something doesn't mean it goes away, right? You can't just close your eyes and pretend like something's not there. If it's there, it's there. And James gives a great example of this faith and works moving together and how it moved one particular man. In Genesis 15, God promises Abraham a son. And Abraham says if he believed and that faith was accounted to him as righteousness. But then James also quotes Genesis 22, where Abraham believed God so much about the promise of his son that he was willing to bring him up and even sacrifice him because God asked him to. Okay, now, if you read Genesis 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, 21, you'll see that Abraham's faith that justified him wasn't that strong. He had serious doubts about the nature and character of God, doubts so strong and so powerful, in fact, that it led him to have sex with his maid in order to try to produce the son that God had promised him in his own strength. So when you look at it, and you're like, okay, well, how did Abraham's faith that justified him in Genesis 15 go to this practical faith that saved him in Genesis 22? You know how? God put him through specific circumstances in which Abraham had to deal with his past, deal with his issues, see the fruit of his sin, and fully lean on God. That's what happened between Genesis 15 and 22. And that's what James is talking about. He's saying, man, if you want to go to someone who just, you say you have faith, that's great. Man, that's great. He's not knocking it. He's not saying it's nothing. 
He's saying, but the demons believe and doesn't really do nothing for them. He's like, what God really wants for you is he wants that faith to become practical. And how's he going to do that? He's going to put you through circumstances and situations where you have to lean on him and trust him in all things. And then he will produce righteousness in you. So, for instance, with what Bo is talking about, do I trust God? Do I trust God enough that when he says I'm loved, I believe him so firmly and so, uh, so powerfully and practically that I'm willing to look at those dark corners of my heart and evaluate them? Or am I so insecure about my identity that even though God says he loves me, I don't trust him enough to believe him? And so I refuse to look at those dark places in my heart because I don't want to threaten my manliness or my security to really evaluate my errors as a husband, to really evaluate my errors as maybe a worker or a minister or whatever. Right? I don't want to look at them. And see what so. eats us is all those things. Right. All those, all those things of the past. All the, what did I do yesterday? Why did I say that thing to my wife yesterday? But instead of saying, hey, you know what? Um, getting into your heart and going, okay, you know, why did I say that? It's because I'm resentful towards her. Mm. It's because I'm resentful of what happened last week or mm. the two weeks ago. And that hurt me. Right. And instead of dealing honestly with that before God and before and and before her, meaning maybe I need to go to God and go, hey, God, why did that hurt me? Mm. Maybe because there's some truth to that. And maybe I feared that I'm not the 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 man I thought I was, mm. you know, maybe I fear being just, th you know, just the small man that I really am, mm. you know, and so, you know, and and then you're starting now you're starting to get to the real reason is is you <coughs> want to be seen as something that you're not, mm. and and. So you can't go to, you're not being honest with God, you're not being honest with yourself, you're not being honest with your wife, and, and so this just m keep continues to move you and move you and move you to the point where you, you're something, you, you are going to do something, you are going to act out. Mm. Um, and for those of us who have struggled with sexual stuff, those are the thing, that's the thing we're probably going to go to. Mm. You know, it's some kind of outlet. And um, so, you know, we call this an, an inventory. You can call it whatever you want. But this is kind of that inventory where you go, okay, I'm going to look at, you know, what James 4 is talking about, lusting and not having. Mm. Where do wars come from? They come from this inside, right? From your desires, from things inside, you know. So it... You know, what I recommend always, Peter, is that someone put on a paper, again, those maybe four things, you know, anger, resentment, discontentment, um, um, fear. Mm. And and look at and start writing about those things and keep writing. Mm. So you might write something like, I fear my kids are at school. Well, what do you fear about it? I fear they're going to get in trouble. Um, how does that affect you? Well... Because I, um, you know, I, you know, it, it might ruin my reputation mm. uh, or I, my parents will think I'm a bad parent, mm. you know, or, you know, you know, or I might lose my job or whatever it is. Then you start getting to the reasons of why you're, why you act the way you act. Right. 
And then you can you get know. to the place where Abraham did, where you could offer those up to God. Right. Of like, so if my kid does do something that ruins my reputation, is God enough? Man, is he such a treasure that, Lord, your love and your goodness will get me through it? Can I trust you? Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, Psalm 1, just so you, just to, again, just really press home the fact that the stuff that we're talking about is rooted so deep in the Bible. Um, Psalm 1, which uh, many theologians throughout the years have said that Psalm 1 um, was meant to be an introduction to the Psalms as a whole, meaning that you, you can't really understand the Psalms till you read Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 says this, Blessed or happy, completely happy, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful, but his delight, get this, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night and shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That word meditate is the one that I want to pull your attention to. Unfortunately, in our culture, we've associated meditation with Middle Eastern philosophy. And meditation from, I'm uh, not Middle Eastern, sorry, uh, Far Eastern philosophy, like Buddhism, Hinduism, that kind of thing. And in that kind of philosophy, meditation is sitting alone and emptying your mind of all thoughts. The meditation that the Bible is talking about, and the reason why we use the word inventory, is because that's exactly what the Bible's talking about when it says meditate. He's not just saying that this dude sits down and he's like, oh, let me flip to Leviticus and just read it. He's saying it's someone who's reading it like, I am the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt. You shall have another gods before me. And they're thinking about that and they're saying like, do I have gods before God? Yeah, what do, do I, I value above what do God? I, what do I value above God? You know, do, do not commit adultery. Okay, you know, do I, okay, what's going on in my heart? Do I lust? You know, are there things in my life that might lead me to adultery? How do I look at my marriage? Am I pleased in it, right? Someone who's thinking through, taking that inventory all the time. And he says the person who does that is going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Man, troubles are going to come your way, but you're going to be firmly planted and rooted in God because you're thinking through these things. And when you understand that part of Psalm 1, the rest of the book of Psalms opens up to you. What's the book of Psalms? It's people taking inventory. That's really what it is. You go to any psalm, it's like, oh, David was, let's go to Psalm 3. David's, what is he? He's depressed. He's cynical. He's hopeless. He doesn't know what to happen. And so what does he do? He prays, right? And he thinks about his troubles. He thinks about his problems. He thinks about how God is going to deliver him and how God alone is worthy, right? You go to Psalm 42, you got another person who's depressed. You go to Psalm 58, you got someone who's angry. You go to, right? And you go to any psalm and you have someone doing inventory of their emotions, how it impacts them, and how God can deliver them. Right. And how this works in our recoveries is that we don't want to just be aimless and mm. just about, uh, we don't want to just go to a group to go to a group. And we, I love our advocacy groups and, you know, because there we're definitely advocating for people, man. We're for them. We want them to do great. But if you just aimlessly go to a group or you aimlessly read your Bible or that, 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 that is not getting to what the Bible's saying about getting down to the roots of, of your life. Mm. The, the, the faith that works is saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to group, but I'm going to go and, and I'm going to make this daily um, inventory a part of everything that I'm doing in this group um, or in my Bible reading. Uh, so, 
what me and Peter have done over the the years is we've developed this kind of inventory in our own personal lives and in and the way we talk to one another. So when Peter and me get together, we are always talking about what's going on inside of us. You know, what are the fears we have? What are the discontentments we have? What are the things we're, that are going on? It's seldom that we sit there and just go, oh man, I wanted to view porn. We might mention that, mm. you know, to one another, but we always try to get to the, and we don't just try, we always do get to the root of where we're at. You know, because those are the things that really is motivating us in many ways in our life. Mm. You know, so, you know, we want people that are listening to be able to go, hey, you know what? I can take some practical things, you know, um, you know, from this kind of a podcast. And that is learning to take a daily inventory. Mm. Um, Was I resentful today? You know, was I sharp with people today? Mm. You know, did I have anger? Did I have bitterness towards people today? You know, was there a lot of fear in my heart today? Why? What am I fearful of? Mm. You know, um, you know, and start writing about that. Doing a little writing, taking that to a mentor, taking that to, um, you know, a, a leader, maybe in your church, sitting down with those things. Really, and and now you're starting to really work on things and getting down to why we do what we do. Mm. So, you know, I would suggest, you know, James three. You know, James 5, Psalm 139, those are some of the passages we brought up. Um, Take a peek at them. And um, yeah, but good stuff, eh, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.